Today we're going to be talking about excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner. Mm, good stuff. And it doesn't have to be excessive or dramatic. Well, we just used the word excessive, but it doesn't have to be dramatic. It could be in the smallest possible way in your relationships or those around you and the implications thereof. And to talk about this, we have a very special guest with us today. Welcome to the Moo Lily podcast. We are women who have given up on trying to live in perfectionism and guilt. Because let's be honest, it just doesn't work. So we're trying something different and choosing to live intentionally and with hope. Please join us as we attempt to open the conversation and search out answers in a safe place. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am doing well. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I have a two-year-old that keeps waking up at 4 a.m. for no apparent reason. Hmm. Maybe there's something special going on that you don't know about. Maybe. Maybe. That's a good way of looking at it. I read this <laughs> thing, seven things that you sh- every mother should do or something on Pinterest, and it said the first thing was to snuggle with your baby. <laughs> Because they grow up so fast and after a while they won't want to snuggle with you. And so at 4 a.m. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> That's a lot I of crap. I love you. <laughs> Maybe if I stop snuggling with this kid, he would stop waking me up. <laughs> if some of my kids will just go right back to sleep if you bring them into bed with yeah. you. But this one... Okay. Just kind of rolls around and fidgets, and he's covered in mozzie bites, which might have been why he woke oh. up. Because they say like what now? Scratching. He's covered in what? Mozzie bites. I don't know what that is. Oh, a mosquito bite. Mm-hmm. Mm. See how quickly we I shorten everything out. in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Little Aussie mozzie. <laughs> so <coughs> I'm gonna call it that from now on. You should. People will <laughs> think you're really Aussie cool. Bites. <laughs> yeah. Either that, or they'll think I'm trying. I'm a poser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to be cool, but you're not. No, I think you can pull it off. So I have to okay. correct something that I've said in a previous podcast. It's, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but I talked about, I think it was on my last podcast, I mm-hmm. did some floxing, mm-hmm. which <laughs> is With the best of them. Right, which was a really cool, hardcore <laughs> workout, which I actually haven't been back to. I was sick last week and... Just with summer holidays, it's been a bit of a challenge. Lame, lame excuses. Sorry about that. But we're <coughs> we are going to get back into it. But what I discovered was it's actually not called <laughs> floxing. It's called ploxing because it's Pilates <laughs> yeah, yeah. and boxing. That makes so much more sense. Because when does. you like on that podcast, I kept going. Are, are you sure? Sh- like, are you sure that's what it's I called? Know. Because I couldn't think of what the other thing would be. That starts with the PH. Yeah. But I could see it in my mind. There's this poster with these girls that look super empowered. And in my head, it said floxing. And I went back and there was no H. (laughs) So I am actually slightly dyslexic. So that would explain that. See, it was not your fault. So, but I mean it. It's epic. You should go and look it up on YouTube. We should all go. We need to do some Pilates. I mean, I just want to call it floxing now because it's why don't so we? much cool. This can, you know what? Everyone has their We're own start like our own thing. Their own thing and the Moolily girls go floxing. Right. These are our words. They're our words, and floxing yes. is one of our words. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's better. It's way better than floxing. <laughs> I think it's more interesting. <coughs> so summer activities, summer working out. Yes. So I'm committed. Mm-hmm. I'm. This is not. 
intuitive for me okay. but I would like to be healthy and active yes. and this is the time of year to do it because it's going to be harder no, when it's cold because and it's seven th- miserable. See, that makes no sense to me I'm like listen it's a hundred degrees outside why would you exercise now mm-hmm. I would rather exercise when it's cold <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point actually <laughs> But it seems right. Like summer is the time to I work out. I think the sun or some endorphins or something in the summertime that okay. are more motivating. I'm not sure. All right. You know, um, we're different people. So we have different opinions. Almost every day for the last week, I have done something intentional. Obviously, Good. I have five kids, so I'm mm-hmm. already relatively active. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm doing more. Good. And I'm like actually documenting it. James has this book. Um, it's has a really cheesy title like keys to success or something (laughs) and it says whatever you want to see more of in your life you need to track you need to document so whether you want you're trying to eat better or whether you're potty training you keep track of how many times they go or whatever it is that was a terrible example but (laughs) (laughs) Um, so for me I want to do more exercise and it's not like I can take two hours out to go to the gym or to go on a leisurely walk or whatever. But if I can get 15 minutes jumping on the trampoline with my kids or yes. um, yeah, doing something. Yeah. Or when I'm at the park with my kids, not just sitting on the bench looking at my iPhone, but actually yeah. running around yeah. and being engaged with them, then I'm taking care of myself. Good. Which is important. Good choices. So I want you to join me. And I'm not saying that philosophically. Mm-hmm. I want you to respond to me on Facebook or you can go to the website and email us and tell me what are you doing to take care of yourself this summer excellent most excellent what are you doing Christiana Uh, uh, I don't know I've been eating a lot of junk food with our special guests (laughs) (laughs) hey man there are seasons that are just a little intense emotionally and if a glass of wine and some Twizzlers helps you I think that's okay, but I'm very committed to my health and I'm a mess right now because I'm not taking care of myself, so it's bad. Yes. So I, um, I would like to get back into the gym. We've been traveling. I've been out of the state like five times in the last And you've been moving house as well. In moving house. So which is all grace upon you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even had time to think about it, but I want to do the gym. And I'd found a couple of videos on YouTube that were like 10 minutes of intense mm. aerobic activity. And if you have adrenal fatigue, which I do, it's really helpful to do short bursts of activity like that, like 15 minutes as opposed to a 45 minute workout. So, um, yeah, I just need to, now that we're actually in the house and we live there and I'm not in another state, Yes, I'm going to pull out my schedule and figure out Make a plan. how I'm going to do it. So that's mm-hmm. my first step. You guys, the first step is making a plan. If you don't make a plan, like Christina said, and then track it, you don't get very far. Yeah. So I might shoot for seven days a week and get four, but four is more than none. <laughs> so I like your math. Yeah. <laughs> four is more than none. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, so yes, Christina always said it, already said it, all words. Check us out. On Facebook. Yes. Yes. And, and on, Instagram. And, that's right. We have an Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and online at our website. Moolily.com. Mm-hmm. Also, you should check out Wooten Media. Check them out. 
Yeah, Ross Wooten is in Colorado today. <laughs> so we've got our big girl panties on. We're, we're recording this all by ourselves. <laughs> all by... No. Uh, it's weird without him here. It is weird. I don't, it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. We're going to be okay. Yeah. So check him out. He's the best. He is. Yeah. So today, we also have joining us my dear friend, Hannah. I won't say your last name. Should I say your last name? She doesn't care. <laughs> Hannah Dell. <laughs> Check her out on Facebook. No. <laughs> JK, JK. Uh, should, um, so this is my friend Hannah. <clears throat> We've Hi. been friends for, next year will be our 20th year friendiversary. Yay. And we're going to take a friendcation. Yes. And go somewhere tropical and beautiful. Yes. And Hannah is an exemplary person. She's been probably my closest friend for the last 20 years. Uh, she's a wife and a mother of four lovely, delightful children, and she is an artist at heart and also terribly smart and is on her way to finishing undergrad um, because she is shooting for medical school. That is her plan. That is yeah. what she's doing. She's going to be a doctor. <laughs> she's going to be a, maybe be a surgeon, yeah. and you can cut people up. <laughs> maybe not like that. Okay, for a purpose. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I admire so much about Hannah is her tenacity, her incredible heart to pursue the Lord. I think I wrote it down. It's like, you always look Jesus in the face, no matter what is going on. You do whatever you have to do to be able to see straight into his eyes. So she's a woman of incredible integrity, and she's done all kinds of things over the course of her life. Ministry and amazing jobs and travel and... She's a well-rounded human being. Wow. Now I feel really good about myself. <laughs> Thanks, Christy. You're welcome, friend. And we're just thrilled to have you here with us, telling some of your story and talking about something that's been a huge part of your journey for the last couple of years. Yeah. Super excited to have you on, Hannah. So I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> So I haven't spent as much time with you as Christiana. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, I mean, aside from like the normal everyday, like mountains of laundry and um, dishes and whatnot of having small children. Um, I have a husband. I have two dogs. I go to school. So that's pretty much it. Um <laughs> don't have a whole lot of time outside of that so I like to hang out with my friends and my family and stuff are in town so yeah so tell us about your journey with going back to school Just, <laughs> that's so exciting for to me that somebody with yeah. four kids in this season of life <laughs> would have that ambition and make it work Usually I get, um, you're crazy I don't know how you do that and I just tell them I don't know either I just do it um, it's kind of part of this whole journey and I, I didn't really know that I had a whole lot of ambition in me. I, I'm a restless person, so I always kind of had ideas of like, ooh, I could go do this or I could go do that, and I can pick up skills if I, you know, try them. So I kind of looked at nursing school. I always have liked helping people and, um, like, caring for people for sure and seeing them get better, doing something active to help them get better um, in many different arenas I've you know, studied a lot of different prayer ministry, inner healing stuff, and some psychology stuff, um, and 
uh, once I got into classes and stuff, I realized like, I don't want to do nursing. I want to be a doctor and I want to do like hands on hands in whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty good with my hands. That kind of made me think of surgery and, um, getting to watch several different, um, you know, procedures or whatever, like maybe feel a little bit more confident in my ability to handle it. So we'll, we'll see every doctor and student I know that's gone into med school changes their mind during residency or rotations. They're like, well, I thought about OB, but now I want to do this. So we'll see. We'll see what happens when I get there. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah is a great caregiver. She is one. I had nose surgery for my nose job, (laughs) which was because my brother broke my nose. It wasn't merely for looks. Um, I came home and, you know, like collapsed on the floor and it was Hannah who came to visit me and saw like I was <laughs> drugged out it of my pitiful. mind, it was bleeding everywhere. Did it have anyone to care for me? And she stayed overnight. <laughs> and this was ages ago and took care of me. The whole I always want Hannah when I'm sick. I'm like, Hannah, Hannah. It's true. So why wow. don't you just kind of sum up, tell us a little bit about the kind of family and culture that you grew up in. Just yeah. like the hit the bullet points here. Um, I grew up Christian, non-denominational. Um, I like to say charismatic until about 12 years ago when it got to be icky. <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly non-denominational. Um, my parents both love Jesus. Um, my siblings, for the most part, all kind of stayed with loving Jesus for a long time. Um, and I think it took me a really long time to to process the fact that we had problems. Like, we were a normal family and we had <laughs> yeah. issues and stuff, so... Um, that was really hard. My parents did counseling with, with, um, people that needed counseling, which (laughs) equated to my brain when I was little as those people and us, you know, like the people that needed help and the people that gave help. So, uh, that was not super healthy. (laughs) Um, but they do still love Jesus. Both my parents do and my in-laws, which is pretty amazing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And you're the youngest. I'm the youngest of four. Um, so that has a whole, a whole other realm of <laughs> issues. I'm the youngest of four too. Yay! Yay. Let's gang up on Christy. <laughs> <laughs> so from what I understand, one of the most powerful parts of your story is your overwhelming tenacity to look at Jesus' face, <laughs> as, as Christiana said, which is so cool. I love that image. Um, so what about your heart? What about his heart that keeps you looking at his eyes? Um, I think it's the only thing that's worked. Um, when I've been through the really, really tough places and the really, really painful places and the really, really depressing, um, painful stuff, that's the only thing that changes anything for me. Um, I can pour out my heart and soul to somebody and feel some compassion from them. But um, the the little tiny things the Holy Spirit will sort of nudge. Like he, he always surprises me. I don't, I like I think he's going to respond a certain way when I'm like, you know, pouring out these terrible thoughts and feelings or whatever in, in my journal or in my heart. And um, his response is never this like super judgmental or like get your life together or, you know, like yeah. the things that I expect him to say. Uh-huh. So. So cool. That brings me back. <laughs> Can you give us just some kind of practical, tangible ways? What is, I mean, I just love that idea of looking at Jesus in the eyes. Um, how does that look for you? Um, it's different for each season. Um, in my most recent really painful season, it was every day. 
um, sometimes multiple times a day. Like I, I literally just be shutting down. And so I'd have to like put PBS on for my kids and like run to my bedroom and like lock them out for, you know, 20 minutes, however long it took. Um, and I journal just because it, it's the way that I can get the stuff out that's stuck Mm -hmm. in there. Um, and I feel like he, he can see it. Um, so it's not pretty and it's not organized. It's not whatever. Um, it just is a way for me to kind of barf out the words on the page. Um, and then I listen. So that's the other thing is like just asking him for help or what he, what he can do, what to do, what, how to handle anything. And do you write down what you hear? Oh yeah. (laughs) At at first it's always like, am I putting words in God's mouth? Like if I write down something and it's like not red letters in the Bible, like (laughs) sin or whatever. Uh And, um, I don't, I don't remember who, I feel like I was in a class somewhere, but they were like, just, you know, like it's important to write down what he says. It's Mm -hmm. important. Um, and sure, you know that it's going through your filter and sure, you know that it's, you could be mishearing or it could just be like the thoughts coming out of your brain, but you can see that afterwards. Like you can see it and you can look at scripture and you can be like, is that God's word? Yeah. Is that line up with how his heart works mm-hmm. and whatever? And the more I've done it, the more freedom I felt and the more peace that I've had and the more I've gotten to know the character of God and how it just yeah. completely lines up with scripture. Uh-huh. And it's not like every single word I write is holy and has like uh-huh. come forth but it's what he's saying to me and it's usually about the feelings and the impression mm-hmm. and the relationship that I get afterwards so it's not like a word for word specific legalistic type thing yeah man <laughs> we're on the, we journaled the other night together we sat yeah. down and we chatted like for a while time and like- yeah <laughs> but we both went we need to hear Jesus like we need Jesus time more than anything and so we sat together and just did our thing it was yeah. nice you guys are so cute. <laughs> That's definitely not the word people use. <laughs> we were once told we have our own realm. <laughs> that was epic. <clears throat> it's true. So one of the big reasons that I asked you to come on is because, not just because you're awesome and I love you, which should be reason enough. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's because I have been a front row witness to your journey for the last 20 years and we had this awesome thing happen where we moved states away and then we both moved to Kansas City at the same time so we've been living almost as neighbors for the last decade which is such an incredible gift that I don't ever take for granted try not to (laughs) but I've gotten to see you know everything that's happened in your life pretty Mm -hmm. up close and personal and so now we're going to use the big trigger word and we're just going to say it and that is codependency. So we, that's part of the definition that Christina read at the beginning of the show is codependency. And so we've talked a lot of people think that only applies to people like the drug dealer on the street and those relationships. But actually we see this playing out in most human beings in many ways. Um, and the thing that we're actually aiming for is healthy interdependency not independency or codependency, right? <laughs> so the huge part of your journey is recovering. You are a recovering codependent. I am. I should get a pin, but I wouldn't wear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. it's kind of stunning because I never ever would have put that label on myself. I, I don't like putting bad labels on myself ever. Um, and I think my sister mentioned it once, you know, like people struggling with codependency or her and her relationship or something. And I was just like, Oh, that's weird. You know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very real thing and it has, it has very little to do with, uh, drug addicts on the street. (laughs) Did you like my choice of phrasing there? I like that. So talk, talk to us about 
how you discovered that you struggled with codependency. You know, tell a little bit about okay. that story. How, how did this revelation of, oh my gosh, I'm a codependent. And then what did you do basically to learn a different way? Let's just yeah. start there. <laughs> Let's start there. That's just the entire journey. I mean, um, so about two years ago, almost exactly, actually, I think it was the beginning of July. Yeah. Um, I kind of had a breakdown. <laughs> And there was no trigger whatsoever. Normal, I'm used to like seeing things like, oh, somebody really irritated me and now I'm really upset for like days and I don't know why, that kind of thing, like trigger, that wasn't it. Um, we went to Walmart, my whole family, my husband and I brought our kids and of course that's triggering to anybody. Right, but who does that? Mm, All I have pickup yeah. now, I have to say <laughs> that. Grocery pickup, you can order online and drive up and they bring your groceries, I'm like in heaven. Um, I, it makes me kind of like Walmart and I'm not going to lie. Um, Walmart should now pay us for that spot that <laughs> we just should. gave them. They should. <laughs> um, they even give you a little goodie bag for your first trip that made my heart glad. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop talking about Walmart. Um, <laughs> so I kind of had a breakdown after <laughs> going to Walmart. <laughs> um, I got home and I was trying to put groceries away and I, you know, my husband and I are not connected whatsoever and like the kids have been crazy and we're like trying to put groceries away and I like fell on the floor sobbing and I was like I don't even know what's going on like I'm just hysterical and um he kind of notices like for the first time hey you don't look so good (laughs) um so he kind of managed the kids and stuff and I went into the room my room and and like just fell apart and I was like god what's going on I don't know what's going on and that was the theme of my entire inner workings was, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know what my opinion is. If somebody asked me how I was, I was like, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Um, and so that first moment was like, God, I'm done trying. I'm done trying to be okay. I'm done trying to be a good mom because I'm not, I'm not being a good mom. I was like yelling at my kids in Walmart and it was, it was really hard for me to admit that like, this is not okay. We're not the picture of model. And it's not like I'm a perfectionist person of like, my children must look this way and behave this way. But there was very strong, um, internalness going on there. And the, the little tiny nudge that I felt from the Holy Spirit was you need to be honest, as honest as you can be about what you're feeling right now. That's profound. And just, and get it out. And that was huge for me. That was a little tiny, huge first step. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how, how far hap- into it you want to go. <laughs> so that's hours. really interesting that the, you felt like the Holy Spirit prompted you to be honest. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you were not being honest with yourself or you were kind of just glossing over things, just I, kind of in survival mode? I don't, I don't, I didn't feel that way until he said it. Um, until he said, you need to be honest with what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Um, and so I started like really like digging my finger down into the depths of my heart and being like, what does that feel like? And even if it was like mean or whatever, like I, I'm, I was so good at just like pushing stuff down without even realizing I was doing it. So I would like, you know, push away like, oh, if I, if I'm irritated by this person or somebody that I really love is um, bothering me. I would just push away. I'm like, Oh, they, I love them. Like, I'm not gonna let that bother me, you know, that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So what happened next? Cause that was the, <laughs> what's the beginning. Yeah. That was the beginning. That was the beginning. Um, so what I found when I got down to the depths of my heart was, um, I wasn't so happy about being married to an addict and we, you know, we, we dealt with some things over the years and, and realized that, you know, there's like problems and stuff, but really just getting down to like, no, I'm married to an addict. Yeah. Um, 
And then what I found when I got down into my heart was that I'm not happy about that (laughs) and that it it really, really hurts. Um, And my response is, and very naturally should be, I don't want to be near you. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be married to you. Um, But I never, I never got there on my own until then. Um, I would be angry or I'd be hurt. And it was like, I'd I'd feel that pain for a, a while. And then I would work through to get to forgiveness, which is a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I felt like I would forgive him, you know, for little instances and stuff, but all the buildup and all the other stuff that led up to it, um, to that pain and, and things that went on and even just how I felt about things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was really upset and I was really angry and I, and realizing that I was a person who didn't want to be married to my husband anymore was a pretty painful realization for me. So that was, yeah. So then what happened? So there's honesty, like there's a moment of breakdown. The Holy spirit leads you to be honest with actually what you're feeling. And when you realize what you're feeling, it's that I I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I'm tired of dealing with my husband's addiction or however you want to say that. Uh, maybe not this time. <laughs> Sorry, that was, was we'll chit chat going on there. We'll, we'll get into that one on another That's one. That's another maybe. podcast. That'll be another We'll bring podcast. him on the podcast. There you so. go. Um, so there's honesty in your finding just, and I would describe it like absolute epic amount of pain and hurt, mm-hmm. um, down at the bottom yeah. that had been buried for a long, long time. Yeah. So then what happened? Um, so the the level of my codependency wasn't even at the point where I could be like, I don't want to be with you anymore. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't be with him in the same room. And he asked if he, if I, if I wanted him to leave. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think I could have done it if he hadn't, honestly. Um, and it wasn't like, this is the end. This is whatever. It was just like that. Like I cannot physically be in the same room with you. And I don't know why I was like, my heart's so completely broken. I'm like physically shutting down when you're in the same room couldn't look him in the eye. Like just, I felt so terrible about how I was feeling towards him that I couldn't handle it, you know? Um, and so then, you know, we, we looked all these things like, I was like, I really need a group way back in the day. We were like, Hey, he has a problem. I should probably get like with some right. people that should, could help me. Yeah. Um, and I've done counseling and stuff, but I was like, I need, I need some other wives of like addicts to be like, Hey, there's, there's like hope and there's other things to, to deal with this, but I never did. Um, so I kind of started looking at that avenue a little bit. God took me back to a book that I had read when I was a kid, um, Heinz Feet on High Places. Oh, yeah. And uh, I love it because the author has my name. So <laughs> I read it in fourth grade literally because her name was Hannah. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> no idea what was going on. Um, so I read the book again, and he spoke to me in every single chapter of that book again. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, how did I not get any of this, you know, in fourth grade? <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I Maturity. wasn't on a deep level of emotional pain or anything, but, um, he spoke to me in every single thing, you know, her, her relatives are fear and her betrothed is pride and like all these, you know, that was the one thing I knew before I discovered all of my issues was I had an issue with pride. I had no idea what that meant, but the book, nobody that, else does. Nobody okay. does. The book that I really got into, um, was codependent no more by Melody Beattie because, she talks about addiction all the time and, um, dealing with addiction and codependency. And I was like, what is this? Like, I don't understand. I always thought of like codependency, not related to addiction. And then when I started reading about it, I was like, oh, those are enablers. Like those are the people that are with addicts that like help them stay where they are. And those are terrible people. 
<laughs> so anyway, Let's not label ourselves, Hannah. Right? I know I don't like I don't like labeling myself um, unless they're good things. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started reading this book and I I couldn't put it down. I literally would like read a chapter and then like have deep emotional and spiritual struggles and like scrape myself off the floor and then read another chapter and I was like ah, and it would be little things like she'd be like this is a typical attitude of a codependent something like you don't know how you feel if somebody asks you. Like you just, you know, like things are very gray. Things are very hazy when it comes to yourself. You're constantly able to discuss your partner and like where they're at and what's right. going on in life because your life is wrapped around them in, in one way or another. So the, it, there's a level of entanglement, oh, right? Yeah. So there's emotional <laughs> entanglement and not yeah. being sure like where their feelings start and yeah. mine and ending. Yeah. And cause I'm thinking it's so helpful, like that example for all those people out there who are going, Oh, well my husband's not an addict or, right. you know, but when you, when you're realizing the way I'm relating yeah. in a way to this other human being yeah. where how they, what they say impacts me in such a way that I feel like I can't get off the floor or I've totally disappointed them. There's a lot of, I want you to be happy. Right. Right. So yeah, all of my stuff was positive. Like I'm a positive person. So like all of my thoughts and all of my actions and my intentions toward my husband were like love and honor and respect. And when he would struggle with something and come to me, it was like, of course I'm going to be here for you. Of course I'm going to like, um, go to Jesus and forgive you. And I'm going to, you know, walk, you walk this out. But so much of my response was around him. And it was like, I can make it better. Either I can help him fight it off because I'm a strong person and I'm, you know, not an addict. So obviously I can help you. Um, I can fix you. I can do something that will make it, you know, not happen again. And then it turns into like, this is painful towards me. So I'm literally doing all these things out of fear of like being painful. Um, and preventing pain. And I, you know, that was a terrible way to have a relationship. (laughs) Um, but it, all of, all of my intentions were positive. All of it was like, I want him to be happy. I want him to feel safe and secure and loved and, um, and respected. And like, he has, you know, my affection and my support and, you know, and I felt like that should be enough, you know? And that was the other thing I felt like when I really broke down was like, I, I'm, I can't do it anymore. I can't try. And I'm not enough. Like I'm not enough for anything. I'm not enough to be a mom. I'm not enough to be a wife. I'm not enough to keep you out of this addiction, which I should be able to. Um, and so God had to <laughs> yeah, show me <laughs> his job and my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it, 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 so we've got this progression of events. So you're reading this book yeah. and he moved out. Yeah. Right. So you guys are separated yep. and that was a very hard season. Yeah. Yeah. It was really weird. Um, Cause I, I felt so awful for asking like the provider of my family to move out of his house and like still buy us food, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then as soon as he, he was gone and all of his stuff was gone, I, it was so peaceful. Like I, I was so shocked. Like my heart was peaceful. My house was peaceful. My spirit was peaceful and I didn't understand it. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like why? Like, yeah, it was, it was pain and there was struggle and stuff, but it was just that like, I think it was the Lord. Like, I think it was grace. And I think there was an absence of all the stuff that I'd wrapped my life around was suddenly gone. And I didn't have a job. I wasn't in school. I had these little children I was taking care of. So I had literally had nothing else to do, um, at my house except process enormous amounts of pain and like sort of be a mother. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I remember there were a lot of, there's some dark, there's some very dark moments I think is you're having revelation realization 
of the depth of pain and your own because at a point you know it started with like I cannot even be with him yeah but there was a moment where it shifted where suddenly you I think you recognized your own brokenness and you're like forget about him like oh my gosh yeah I need help yeah um I kind of felt that from the beginning yeah um I didn't know really why I couldn't be in the same room with him other than just being so overcome with all of the stuff that I felt like I was really touching in my heart of what I actually felt towards him and that felt bad. Like I just felt like the bad person. I was like, finally, I'm the broken one. I'm the one who's like completely off her rocker. And, um, and it never, it, I like, I was angry and I was hurt and offended and stuff, but it, I didn't feel like at that point he could fix it. You know, like I, we talked to a couple different counselors and people and, you know, like spouses and stuff struggling, they, they, it happens all the time. And people are like, well, this happens to everybody, you know, like, doesn't this, isn't this pretty normal? And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's not what I'm struggling with. I didn't know how to explain it, but it was me. It wasn't like our relationship. They're like, what does he have to do to get back home? And I was like, (laughs) nothing. (laughs) Like I have to get (laughs) not broken anymore. Um, so I did go to counseling. I really prayed hard because I was like, God, I can't just have the run of the mill, like new guy off the lot to help counsel me because I am such a vulnerable place. Um, he showed me at the beginning, this picture of myself of where I was like my heart and my spirit and whatever. And it was way worse than I thought. (laughs) And I was like in the ground, like I had fallen running, like I was trying to run and I was just like face down in the dirt, completely broken and mangled like my body. And I wasn't breathing. Like I was pretty much flatlining and he ran up like this paramedic. Jesus is like there. And he looks in my face and he gets in in my face and he's like, I'm right here. You need to breathe. And I was just like, I don't want to breathe. That's going to hurt like crazy. You know, like, no, I'm dying. Like, I just want to die. Like, can we just let this happen? And he was like, you need to breathe. And he stuck his hand on my back and like pulled my lungs up and I breathed in and it was like the most painful breath I'd ever taken. Yeah. But it was life. You know what I mean? And he was there and he was with me. Um, And I'm a picture person. So he showed me a lot of pictures through that. I could go for hours talking about those but you could girl (laughs) um so he did I found one woman that I met with for for counseling that was pretty close by and she was older and like able to just bring so much perspective sorry um in life and just let me process stuff like there was I've never uh really felt so well mentored by a person before um she was amazing and then I also met this other lady who did just really basic God encounter type stuff like you go out there and you meet with Jesus and she's there to facilitate it and she did such an amazing job that I would just spend time with Jesus and it wasn't like this deep digging up of your childhood and whatever unless unless you you wanted to or Jesus wanted to like you just encountered Jesus and that brought so much life and so much peace and like a haven from all of the crazy pain and stuff that was going on but yeah it was it was very dark <laughs> a lot yeah. of times very dark so yeah but you did it I think that's yeah. the um you walked it out and I guess it's good to say to for if you're your marriage and you hit that point for separation isn't always the way that everyone right. needs to go right. and I think it's I think actually separation can be very healthy and yeah in order to bring a marriage back together yep. there are times when there's but that's your story I just feel like I should do it <laughs> side note there right we want to say um we're not advocating no. I was like girl get him out of there and that was my, my personal moment at that one. which she never actually said for the record see because what she's a good, a good friend. What a good friend I am. But, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, so that, I mean, so it was rough. It was hard. I remember that there were moments where you wanted to die. You really yeah. thought about it. and But you you kept going one foot at a time. 
which yeah. was in, incredible. And you were faithful to do, we call it work in your program. Like you were faithful <laughs> to work your program, to do what you knew you needed to do, yeah. to get the help from your community and to keep, um, just to keep m- moving forward. And so maybe we should ask the question, maybe you should ask the next question, Christina. Um, so I guess I'd like to hear a little bit more. Christiana's written this awesome question about leading knuckles. <laughs> it is. It's an awesome. You should just read it. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do, even if it was with bleeding knuckles, to learn a different way to relating? So like you've talked about this low, yeah. low point. Yeah. What was the process of coming out of that? So for, for people that maybe feel at that point or they're on the edge of that and they're like, I yeah. can't go there because I'll yeah. never recover. Yeah. What insight can you give us to that process? Um, of- <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the first process for me was being honest with yourself. Um, I know that's not every codependence process. Like they're, some of them are so blatantly honest that they, um, don't have a struggle with that at all. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people that don't realize they're codependent, I think have to look over that edge and be like, wait, that's, mm-hmm. that's not normal and it's not healthy. Um, I and think- I always like to tell my husband, I went cold Turkey on my addiction to codependency <laughs> Yes, <laughs> to him. Like he moved out and I had like, you know, four months of, you know, just nothing like, and it, like, it sounds weird, but I couldn't even pray for him. Like I couldn't, Mm -hmm. God was like hands off. Like, Oh, the other thing about that book, um, that really hit me was letting go of control. (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? Codependence are control. Like you're the giver. You're the person laying down your life for this other person. You're bending over backwards, um, to make sure they're happy. Like, how is that controlling? And, and it is like when you're trying to prevent someone else from hurting you, you're doing everything in your power to control their behavior. Right. Um, and everything that they do, their attitudes and their, and their bad choices become your responsibility. Um, and so that's really, really bad because then it's like you have, you actually have no control, but you feel like you do. And so you're just dying every time something that's happens. You're just such dying. a heavy burden to carry. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I guess, <clears throat> I, I have no prescription for how to get like out of <laughs> codependency. I would literally, um, what say, was your talk to Jesus, yeah. like talk to him about everything that you possibly can, um, in, in any way that you can, whether it's journaling or just, you know, quietly hiding in your bathroom and praying or whatever you have to uh-huh. do. Um, music. I know a lot of people will pour out what they have to say to Jesus through music, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I want to get there. I sing sometimes, but I couldn't sing that stuff. It was <laughs> yeah. like death metal or something. I don't even know. Um, and then listen, you know, like yeah. listen to his response and don't be surprised if it's not what you were expecting him to say. If it's something like, Hey, you need to be honest with yourself. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, that's not in the Bible, Jesus. Like, aren't you supposed to say big, important things? Mm -hmm. I just love the simplicity of that. Yeah. Like, it's so profound. (laughs) But, I mean, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast. Like, as women, we feel like we have to at least appear like we have it all together. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We're doing this for real. And it's not fake necessarily because we want to be a good mom. We want to be a good wife. We want to take care of those things. We want to respond well when people hurt us or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I know for myself, there's so often that it's not until something 
big like a trigger you talked about something happens that all these other little things that I haven't dealt with properly because I feel like I don't have permission I have to just keep going I have to be strong for everybody else yeah and it's not honest yeah um that's that's a very powerful truth I think we can all hear whether it's a little thing or a major thing we just need to be honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord yeah as much as you can you know and I, I don't think I could very much at the beginning even of this process like it took so long for me um, but it's so freeing. Yeah. <laughs> it feels a little bit weird sometimes. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's a terrible attitude. But I'm like, I know what it is. Like, right. I know I'm having a bad so attitude because I can it. feel it. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. <laughs> How interesting when you name, cause you just, when you said that, it made me think of the first key to overcoming an addiction is naming it. it and is. so codependency <laughs> is a different form. Would you say? I think so. Of an addiction, um, something that you feel you... Yeah, it's much more insidious because there's no object. Like, right. there's no hit. There's no, you know, something mm-hmm. that you turn to automatically, even though you are in your brain. Like, I think my constant attention to my husband and his life and his decisions and his thoughts and his choices and his feelings and all that stuff was my, like, my turn to. And, you know, that in Christian realm, like, you can do that in so many ways. Like, you can pray for the person and you can, like... Mm-hmm just, you know, like go to town and I I don't even know how to (laughs) say it, but, um, and being a wife and mother, like, you know, like there's so many things you can do to like love your husband well. And, and I was just like, I'm done. So done. And now I'm trying to learn how to do it again. Cause I'm like, it's all gone. All those. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I feel you girl. Um, I'll put these two questions together. Already. So I've watched you becoming your own person mm-hmm. and it scared you and your husband. Uh-huh. Times. He'd been real scared <laughs> while also it's crazily liberating. Yeah. So what's it like to find your identity and value in yourself, not anchored in a relationship or another person? <laughs> well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it's just not my husband anymore. Who are you talking about, Hannah? I'm talking about Jesus. <laughs> Um, I, it was, yeah. Um, it's really liberating. It's, there's no freedom like Jesus. There's no freedom like it anywhere. Um, you our our base core design is to be in relationship. Um, and it's not just a relationship. It's yeah. designed to be in a perfect person. Like that other person is right. designed to be perfect and completely loving and always there and available for you no matter what. Um, and most people don't, don't realize that even Christians don't realize that. And so they'll go to every other relationship they can find, whether yeah. it's friendships or parents or spouses or that, you know, distant spouse in the future, you know, like that kind right. of thing is going to fix everything. Or my kids, if my kids can just make it, that'll fix everything, you know? And, um, you get so locked up in that anxiety and that, um, that need to, to have something else succeed. And that controls your life. Like you don't have uh, control over your emotions and your decisions in your life anymore. Um, so having dealt with at least that major aspect <laughs> of it, I've, I've been so dependent on Jesus. And he told me, I don't remember when it was somewhere in my journey. He's like, it's okay to be codependent with God. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, really? He's like, you can think about what I'm thinking all the time. Like you can care about what I'm feeling and doing as much as you want. It's not going to be unhealthy. And I was like, oh, it was so liberating. Like I can, I can do that. And then like just listening, like I'd have to come back and be like, okay, Jesus. And I'd get like all anxious and insecure again, you know, like over and over and over again, just coming out of this. And it would just be that like reminder, like I'm right here. 
Mm -hmm. Hannah, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. And he'd say it so many times I'd get tired of it. I'd be like, why are you, I think I have this one down, Jesus. (laughs) Like, why do you keep saying it? And then the other night when we're journaling together, he's like, why am I still here? And I was like, I don't know because I want to be. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's why you keep saying it. Like, yeah. He, I, I have that, like, I think what drove me, I had like tendencies toward codependency before I was in a relationship with an addict. Um, but just that kind of pushed me over the edge, but that desire to like, I just want to be with someone who loves me and wants to be with me all the time. And yeah. like, and whatever that looked like, you know, it was probably friendships before and, um, whatever, but he, he, it's, it's, it's free. (laughs) So in part of this, going back to school is part of this. Let's bring this full circle here. Yeah, man. So in Melody's book, this is a terrible way to begin a career, but, um, (laughs) she talks about coming out of codependency and she's like, oftentimes when you release that control over someone, your codependency and you decide like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore either, you know, you're helping someone stay in their addiction or you're just denying yourself. Um, she's like, when that stops, people respond in weird ways. The person Mm. she's like, sometimes they'll start getting better on their own without any of your help, which is amazing. It's kind of a novel idea for us helpers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and sometimes they, they go off the deep end and they're like, you ruined my life. You, cause you were there for them. Like you were their crutch. You were there making their life feel good all the time. And suddenly you're not doing that anymore. Um, and they can, you know, just totally and utterly reject you, which is a possibility. And I was kind of terrified, but I was like, at this point I'm so broken and I don't, don't know if I want to be with them anyway. (laughs) um, It was, wasn't so hard, but she's like, she's like, I've met women who were working five jobs and like, you know, taking care of all these people and not sure if they could, if they could take care of themselves, if they were out of a relationship that was so damaging to them. And, um, And I was like, I don't have a job, but she's like, you need to have a plan. You know, like, how are you going to take care of yourself if you're, if you're not a breadwinner, if you're not, um, in a career or whatever. And so I was like, you know, if this, if this relationship doesn't work out, cause I'm not going back into that codependency, like I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to take, I'm going to be myself and I'm going to be honest. I'm going to love Jesus and whatever, but I'm not going to go into that. So I was like, what do I do? I've, I like, I like working. I'm good at working. Um, and nursing, (laughs) nursing was kind of a natural (laughs) outflow of that, which she actually mentions in her book, several people that are good workers are codependents (laughs) because they're so good at bending over backwards to take care of people, um, and work hard. And they're very, (laughs) anyway. Um, so yeah, I was like, I could be a great nurse. They always need nurses. Like it's a great, it's a good idea. Um, and I had support and I had, you know, it was a little bit weird. My husband was kind of freaking out, but he was freaking out about everything at that point. Right. We're separated. Um, so Might I went as well into just that. throw this in on yeah. top of everything. Why not? So this is the time. in the middle of school, we end up getting back together and deciding like, yeah, we're going to do this life together. And, um, and I was like, you know what? I have ambition and I've never had like real ambition before. Like I'm free to do what I want. Yeah. And I never felt that before. Cause I was like, well, if his career allows or if it, you know, like whatever, and sure, I was taking it in consideration because I love this man and I'm actually raising a family with him. So I wanted to take that into consideration. But um, I just had to think, like, what do I want to do if I could do anything? And so I started, you know, at first I was like, oh, doctors, they're the big, important in charge people. And I'm a helper. I don't do the big, important job stuff. Um, and then I was like, no, like, this is what I want to do. I want to, like, physically get in there and like stitch things together that aren't working right and help somebody live. Like that sounds like a pretty good job to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I love all the other stuff too, God. <laughs> Inner healing and spiritual wholeness. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> mm. here's the thought too. So it's been crazy with you and your husband re- uh-huh. recovering, like <laughs> since, since you guys got back together. Uh-huh. Just say a couple things about what does it look like when mm. you've acknowledged you've gone through everything you went through, you've worked through and you are where you are now. And you're like, okay, we're going to do this. Like we're going to be in this relationship. We're going to live together, but I ain't going to be codependent. (laughs) Like how, how is that like day to day? (laughs) Um, it's kind of awesome on my end because I feel so free. I think going cold Turkey on that was so liberating because I, it makes it so black and white now. Like if I feel like my hands dipping back into that, like, Oh, what does he think? What does he feel? How am I doing? Ah! Um, it's so obvious to me. And I'm like, Bleh! and I'm, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like that's nice. so it's just not even desirable anymore. Um, and for him, it's like, wait, how do we relate? Like, how do we function? And, and I, I mean, obviously for me too. Um, and it's literally like a day-to-day process. So some days we're both like, connected to Jesus and we're spending time, you know, seeing him face to face and getting ourselves taken care of and our jars filled up and whatever. Um, and we can relate to each other in a healthy way. And that's amazing. And it's still really rare. (laughs) So other days it's like one of us has met with Jesus. The other one hasn't. So they're just like spewing all over the other person or they're like shut down and locking the other person out of their heart and their life and whatever. And, um, and then we have children in the midst of that. And so, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, but it's given me so much hope because you don't go into a hole like that and realize all the groundwork and the terrible, you know, things that are in the bottom of your pit and then come out and not change. Um, and so it's, it's Jesus. It's still, you know, the same thing that I've worked into my training now of like, you go to Jesus and you talk to him and you get close to him. And I'm like, it doesn't matter now. I can be driving down the road and it's like, Oh, you're sitting right there next to me. And he's like, how do you feel about that? Hannah? And I'm like, Oh, it's getting real. You know, like, it's yeah. getting really real in the car on <laughs> this drive. Um, so it's cool, but he's right there. Like he's always there and he's not going anywhere. So I can literally ask him anything, anytime, anywhere. Um, I don't always listen very well. So I'm working on that, but yeah. yeah. What do you think about this girl, Christina? <laughs> Yes. I mean, I think your story is amazing. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I just, I think your courage is what is so impressive that you're willing to make those hard choices and you're willing to be honest with yourself, which I think so many of us are not willing to really, like you you use that story, like example of getting your finger and poking in your heart to see what was there. And I know I don't poke the lion, you know, like if I'm okay, I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. One of the pictures that he showed me was this huge wound in my heart, like Mm -hmm. right in the middle, like this huge gaping festering wound. And I'd put layers of bandages on it, like over the years, just layers and layers and layers. And they were gross. And at at one point he was like, can we get rid of this? I was like, okay. Yeah. And it had to be exposed to like the light and the sun, you know, and all the spiritual stuff. And, um, but it was, that was what I had been doing was not poking my lion for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So how long was that period where you had the big aha moment to where you really got some breakthrough with freedom? I know that it's probably an ongoing journey, but yeah. like, was that a year? Was that six months? Um, so 
we separated in July, like two years ago, and got back together in like October. Um, so relationship-wise, that's kind of where we were at. I I really feel like something this serious and this intense takes a while. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people say that with addiction even. Like it takes almost as many years as you've been doing it to get out of it. Um, right. Which I don't necessarily believe. <laughs> Because I'm an optimist and I have well, the Holy Spirit. Well, I think under normal circumstances <laughs> that would be accurate, but I think with the power of the Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, everything's. Sh- um, so I definitely expedited. like we um, renewed our vows that anniversary in January. So July to January, like six months, and it was really serious and really scary. Um, and I still felt like there were so many parts of me that were missing or shut down or whatever. Um, but I just felt that like surge of grace and peace from the Holy spirit to be like, no, I'm going to commit myself to this man, Mm -hmm. um, to do, to do the best I can and to walk with the Lord in it and, um, show everyone that the intentions of my heart are this marriage, um, versus (laughs) the the alternative. So, um, as far as codependency goes, that was kind of a serious moment. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Could you talk about what codependency could look like on on many different levels? Oh, like if it's yeah. not as clear as an addiction, yeah, but just unhealthy. Yeah, um, kind of like I said before, people tend to seek out relationships outside of God because we're not perfect people. Um, so, like consciously, we all want a perfect person. We want a perfect best friend. We want a perfect spouse. We want perfect kids. Um, but I think we find the people that are the most emotionally satisfying. <laughs> right. Um, sometimes for guys, it's like the most sexually satisfying or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Or women, but, um, that's kind of where it starts, I think. Yep. And there's lots of teachings out there about, we all marry the wrong person, you know, like that kind of thing. Like we, we find the person that, that doesn't push enough of our buttons initially and meets enough, enough needs to kind of go there. Um, but on a really, really basic level, it's preferring someone over yourself from the wrong motive. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. which we do a lot, uh-huh. a lot. Um, so it can be something like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to let them pick, you know, where we go for dinner because I want them to know that I prefer them and that they're special and, and whatever. But the motive is really like, I want you to love me more because right. I have preferred you. And you know what I mean? Like that uh-huh. kind of stuff. Um, so really simple stuff and friendships do it all the time. Like I hear people right. at school talking about, you know, so-and-so did this and oh, how dare she, whatever. And other friends are like, no, you stand by your friend no matter what. It doesn't matter if they're lying, cheating, going to prison for drugs. I'm like, no, like, <laughs> that no, not that's, not, that's not friendship, buddy. Like, right. Um, so yeah, that gives you a couple levels. I guess. Yeah. I've got it. I got a question for you, Hannah. Right. How did your family and friends react? Like the people <laughs> around you and you're, I mean, that looked pretty dramatic, like being yeah. separated. Yeah. You were, it was rough. It was yeah. rough there for a while. So that's a pretty dramatic thing for family and friends to be watching. Right. Yeah. But I think anyone who makes any stand of like, you know what, I'm going to change the way I relate to other people. Yeah. When you break those dances, like, oh, oh, hell breaks loose, yeah. you know? So what, how did your yeah. family and friends kind of, what was their response um, to all this? It got kind of messy. <laughs> Um, neither of our families are huge drama people. It's more of like their opinions, you know, come out. Um, so I definitely felt the, like, I I don't think I even hardly talked to my in-laws for a while because that's where Michael went. Like he's staying with his family. (laughs) Um, and they, we, they had like our kids sometimes and whatever, but, um, they were all pretty cool. My sister-in-law came and asked me, you know, at some point, like what's going on and why and you know, whatever. And I felt so totally honest, like, 
more honest than I've ever felt in my entire life. And I was just able to talk to her and I was like, this is where I'm at and I don't know what's going on. I don't know exactly why, but this is where I am right now. And this is how I see the next, you know, 10 minutes of my life. Like I don't have anything else, but you know, my family was a little bit more like, uh, you know, your children need you guys. And like, why, why don't you just get back together and make everything okay? And right. you know, that kind of stuff. So how did it feel for your sister-in-law to come and ask you those questions? Like, I bet that was a little bit awkward, <laughs> but did you feel valued by oh, yeah. that? Because yeah. I often look at situations and I'm like, should I just listen and say, I'm so sorry. Or should I actually ask some of those right. questions? I think, what do you think? um, I, I felt really honored um, rather than people just sort of not knowing what's going on or relying on my husband's like communication, which he did amazing, by the way, I'm kind of shocked, um, how he handled himself and all of that. Like it's, we That's all have really our cool. stuff, but he, yeah. he was pretty, um, honoring yeah. towards me, which <laughs> shocked me a lot. But, um, I felt really honored by her ask, just asking because I felt like that took away a lot of the, um, mystery out of it you know like when stuff happens people their minds go crazy and um and she came and asked me and and I was like wow like you care enough about me to hear where my heart is and what's going on in my life and um whether or not she could handle it I don't know (laughs) but she seemed to do pretty well and um I felt supported by her so that was cool um not like she approved of all of my decisions but that's Mm -hmm. different too (laughs) yeah (laughs) Do you have anything else from your notes? I've got another question kind of mm. to bring it to, to end us up here, but do you have anything else that mm. just as you processed and thought that you would want to share about this journey and what the Lord's taught you and just how far you've come? <laughs> um, I'd say it's worth it. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that oh, was yeah. one of the things in there. Yeah. And at, at first it's sort of like, are you kidding me? Like, um, obviously I was suicidal at several different points, so I didn't think it was worth it. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and it's, it's something that's more recently come for me is feeling like it was worth it. And it's, it kind of every day I feel like it happens, but, um, the freedom and the openness and the ability to so solidly be myself. Yeah. Um, and, and be with the Lord, like, in a way that I never have before, you know, like anytime you go through pain with, with God, I feel like you draw closer to some part of his heart Yeah. and, um, relationships and intimacy is a huge part of his heart. So I feel really close. So I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of ties into, I was going to say like, what are two things you tell other women who are listening to this and going, (laughs) Oh shit, I think I'm (laughs) codependent (laughs) just to encourage them and throw them a lifeline. Like, I think you shared a lot of wisdom about how you went through your process and just, there's so many options I think for people who can support you and help you to walk through emotional freedom and relational health and all that stuff. But for that moment of like, Oh shit, you know, like listening to this, what's that lifeline you'd throw them? Um, uh, it's just the really basic, like you talk to God, yeah. you, whoever you can talk to, Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, whatever works for you. Um, or nobody, like if you just have to write it in your journal and be like, this is ambiguous, just out there, it's going into the void. Um, cause he hears it and he hears your heart and then ask him, um, ask him what to do next. Cause I, I could literally like throw yeah. five books at you. I could tell you to go, you know, find these amazing counselors and this sort of inner healing track or whatever, but that doesn't work for everybody. And everybody's, right. I like, right. I couldn't have handled that at the beginning of my journey. Um, 
And so literally asking and then listening and probably writing down what he says is really a big deal. Um, even if it's like on a piece of paper that you throw away or a napkin or whatever and don't keep it forever in a journal because it gets it into your brain and it gets it into your heart. And um, Have you looked back and read through some of those things? <laughs> has it been sort of <laughs> profound, the things that the Lord has said to you? I'm doing that currently. Yeah. <laughs> I got into like maybe the first 30 days. <laughs> Um, and I was, I was just wrecked like on the floor. And, and that was the thing I was like, I felt the Holy spirit being like, go back, like go back. This Mm -hmm. was written down for a reason. I have like my sessions written down. I have all the horrible things that I poured out of my heart, um, thoughts and feelings and fears and concerns and like, God, I really am broken and I really am, um, incapable of doing this on my own kind of stuff. Um, and he's, and he was like, it's not to relieve pain. It's not to, experience the fear and all that darkness that was there. Cause that was the other thing I was like, God, I don't want to touch that. Like that was so painful and yeah. so dark and deep. And he was like, it's for us. He's like, you need to remember uh-huh. the things that we did and we walked through and the things that I said and did. And, um, every time I start thinking about those, those pictures that he showed me and the words that he said and the revelations that come, it's like, I can't even, I can't even handle it anymore. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, and it changes me like right then and there all over again. And I'm like, Oh God. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yes. <laughs> Would you say it's like reinforcing those things yeah, that you have yeah. received? And the, the one thing I've fresh. learned about humanity and reading any kind of history is that people forget stuff all the time. Yeah. Like whether you're a mother or whether you're a lady or you're whatever, like you just forget stuff. You're Israelites. Like <laughs> yeah. you forget the Lord, you walk away and I'm like, God, I don't want to forget. And he's like, go back, go back to the places. And it's like, you know, in, in Israel, they built monuments or whatever it is, like the, the mm-hmm. things and memorize, memorialized. There we go. <laughs> um, the important places and the significant ways God met them. And I was like, I have this, I have this written in a journal and, um, and that's what I want. That's what I need is to remember. And it's like, you don't just dwell on it. You don't stick in the past. You got to move forward. Cause it can't, you can't stay where you're at, but remembering those things gives you so much strength, especially if you're fighting something like codependency every single day or a habit or a way that you relate to someone every single day. If you have those sudden revelations of like God rocking your entire being and like ripping demons out of your heart or whatever, not like (laughs) their influence on your life if we want to get technical, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it changes you and it gives you so much more power and grace to move forward and not make the same decisions again that you used to. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So cool. Thank you so much, Hannah, for talking to us and just sharing. I feel like this is, it's, I'm so passionate about health. Like let's be healthy, whether it's physically or emotionally or relationally, whatever. And I feel like this is just huge. This is such a part of, if we really want to be people, um, who are living our lives to be like Christ. We have to look at our relationships. We have to look at how we relate to people. And I feel Mm. like this is a pandemic across the planet. You know, it really is. And um, anyone who's had your journey and who's walked through with such courage, I feel like you have so much wisdom and you have such a heart of compassion for other people, you know? So I'm honored that you're able to share some of your time (laughs) and your story with us. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been awesome. (laughs) Do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, I, I just have to say that I love your accent. Not me. I was, She's talking about Christina. Christina's accent. Sorry. Thank um, you so whenever much. Whenever I, whenever I thought about this interview, I always imagined my answers in my head with a British accent. And I, I'm not sure why it just seemed like the proper thing to do. So, 
Well, thank you. I loved, there was one point that you said like, Jesus. I couldn't even. (laughs) That was Southern. Beautiful Southern. I did grow up in the South, even though my mom was a Yankee. It's okay. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. Yeah. Well, that was quite a podcast. Yeah, I I just, I'm speechless. (laughs) doesn't happen very often (laughs) (laughs) well thank you to everybody yeah and next week we have um my sister-in-law april parnwell (gasps) who has a much stronger accent than i'm excited she's real ocker aussie a a proper proper aussie there huh and we are going to be kind of continuing this conversation. We're going to be talking about healthy relationships and dealing with conflict, like how mm. to resolve things when it goes badly. Oh, no. Um, so you're going to want to I will tune in for that one. And all of you out there. Yes. Yes. All right. We'll see, see you guys you later. later. Bye.